Hi, this is the Russell's Ben podcast, and I'm your host, Ben Orndorff. All of the podcast stories are available, complete with pictures, at RestlessBen.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at RestlessBen, and subscribe to the Restless Ben YouTube channel for video compilations. Today's episode is about my failed attempt to achieve enlightenment. After a brief stay at a remote Buddhist monastery, I realized that meditation is trickier than I thought. The sound of crickets chirping was the only thing that broke the silence of the cool night air. I decided to open my eyes just a bit to survey the scene. I was sitting cross-legged on a little mat in front of an elevated platform adorned with two large Buddha statues and six monks facing us, all of whom were deep in meditation. It was so quiet with my eyes closed, I could swear that I was sitting alone, but there were easily a hundred fellow monastery-goers sitting in rows around me, completely silent and motionless in the moonlight of the open-air pagoda. Okay, this is pretty cool, I admitted to myself before attempting to clear my mind and return my focus to my breath. Maybe this meditation and enlightenment stuff wasn't so bad. Ah, never mind. After about ten minutes, my ankles and knees were screaming in pain. I imagined the famous 1963 photograph of the Buddhist monk who lit himself ablaze in protest to the Vietnam War. The image is so profound because during his self-immolation, the monk remained seated, legs crossed, eyes peacefully closed in meditation as the flames consumed him. If he could do that, certainly I should be able to meditate through some minor discomfort. I redoubled my efforts to return to meditation. Nope, not even close. Fuck it, I'm moving. As I uncrossed my legs, my knees cracked loudly throughout the hall. As if that had been all that everyone else was waiting for, more knees started cracking around me as other uncomfortable rookie meditators shifted their position. Good to know I wasn't the only one who hasn't reached a higher plane of human existence yet. Earlier that day, the minibus from Pi had pulled to the side of the road and sent up a rolling cloud of dust. I hoisted my bag onto my back and started the one-kilometer walk down the road to Wat Pa Tam Wua Forest Monastery. Nestled in among the hills, in Mei Hong Son, an hour and a half outside of Pai, the gardens, ponds, and grass fields are immaculately manicured. The grounds are dotted with young Westerners dressed in baggy white drawstring pants and tunics, walking slowly, reading, or lying in the grass, gazing at the surrounding mountains. It sort of reminded me of what I would imagine a rehab center for celebrities might look like. As I walked up to the reception, with beads of sweat beginning to form on my brow, a man dressed in simple clothes invited me to put down my bag and grab some food in the open-air dining area. After all, it was 11 a.m. when the last meal of the day is served. I usually eat at least four or five times a day, so I wasn't sure how it was going to go for me. After filling my plate with rice and a vegetarian Thai stew, I took a seat at one of the long communal tables. In contrast to the hostile atmosphere where everyone plops down together and social interaction with strangers is the norm, here, most people were sitting alone, silently, or quietly talking with one other person. At the six long tables around me, there wasn't a word being spoken by anyone. I was almost done with my meal when I noticed the silent section sign. That explained why no one was talking at my table or the ones near it. We'll be right back after this. I washed my plate in glass before signing in at the reception. Name, passport number, date of arrival, projected length of stay, hmm, how long did I think I could do this for? I put down three days. I should be able to swing that, I thought. Maybe even longer. Free food and lodging at a rock star rehab center? Why not? A German volunteer walked me first to select some white pants and a shirt before showing me to the male dormitory. The experience felt a bit like summer camp. Inside the dorm, there were painfully thin sleeping mats with a pillow and some clean linens. I smiled slyly to myself as I blew up my sleeping pad and slipped it under my mat. Sorry I'm not sorry. 
If I were going to achieve enlightenment, I was going to need a good night's sleep. I consulted the daily schedule and realized I only had a few more minutes before the afternoon meditation session. I lowered myself onto my sitting mat in the meditation hall, and within minutes, the entire monastery population was neatly in rows around me, which was not surprising, since participation is required for every scheduled event and ritual. The monk provided a vipassana talk about Buddhist principles before we did a seated meditation. This was followed by a walking meditation, in which you keep your gaze directed at the ground a few feet in front of you and try to keep a completely clear mind. We walked over teak bridges and along footpaths, running past impressive cliffs, caves, and towering rainforest trees. I made a mental note that I would have to do the walk again when I could actually look around and enjoy the landscape. When we made it back to the open-air pagoda, we finished with a meditation lying down. Within minutes, the sound of snoring started emanating from somewhere to my right. I tried to suppress a smile creeping across my face. After the lying down meditation was over, and my snoring neighbor had finished his nap, there is an hour of scheduled mindful working, during which one sweeps up around the grounds while keeping a clear mind. Before the evening chanting and meditation session, I made myself a big bowl of oatmeal with cashews and honey that I brought along. The next scheduled meal wasn't until the following morning, and I wasn't going to achieve enlightenment on an empty stomach. The chanting before the evening meditation was brutal. It was essentially an hour of awkwardly mumbling transliterated verses along with a monk who had a microphone on stage. It felt a bit like other organized religions, and I decided that part sucked. Then, as if to remind me that I wasn't cut out for Buddhism, a mosquito landed on my prayer book. Now I know I'm not supposed to harm any other creature while I'm here, so instead of swatting it, which might attract attention, I opted to subtly squeeze it between my thumb and forefinger. Satisfying crunch. I looked around. No one seemed to notice the assassination, and we finally settled in to meditate. That night, I slept deeply except for a trip to the bathroom outside. As I walked along the stone path, the stars were brilliantly splashed across the sky above, as they can only do whenever there is no light pollution from nearby cities. The next morning, I was up at 6 a.m. to partake in the monk feeding ritual. Everyone gets a bowl of rice to spoon out to the monks as they pass along the row with a food donation basket that you shovel some rice into. I ate a quick breakfast and hurriedly packed to catch the 8 a.m. roadside bus out of there. It was a great experience, but if I had spent one more second there, I probably would have lost my mind. I guess I'm just too restless for enlightenment. As soon as I got back to Pi, I breathed a sigh of relief. Thank God I didn't try to stick that out for a full three days, or heaven forbid, a full ten. I booked a bus back to Chiang Mai later that afternoon, and then booked a flight to the Philippines the following day. But within 24 hours, I had pushed that flight a week so that I could go check out Chiang Rai with a friend Amy, a UK social worker who had just quit her job. Chiang Rai has the feel of a working city, and so, after one night there, the two of us hightailed it 45 minutes north to a private bungalow at Nook's Garden Resort, set back in a quiet village with a wooded mountain backdrop. We were the only two inhabitants in one of the four bungalows that are along a little lake. The Austrian owner, Rudy, was a warm world traveler that decided to put down roots in northern Thailand. The following week was a relaxing retreat that included scooter adventures to waterfalls, hammocking, eating homemade pizza with Rudy's family, and lounging next to koi ponds at cafes. With my batteries recharged and my tourist visa out of Schlitz, it was off to the Philippines. Thanks for tuning in. Check out RestlessBen.com for all the stories complete with pictures. At the bottom, there's a contact form to get all the newest podcast episodes sent directly to your inbox, as well as new travel videos and blog posts, so you can keep up with my whirlwind adventures. I've also included links at the bottom of my blog to some of my favorite gear on Amazon.com. 
Regardless what you buy, if you use my link to reach the Amazon portal before you get whatever it is your heart desires, I get a tiny little ad revenue. It doesn't cost you a dime, and it helps me stretch my travel a bit longer. I'm basically like a Girl Scout, but instead of delicious cookies, it's pretty much anything you can imagine. And instead of using the money to go camping, I'm using it to avoid going back to work. But I'll probably use some of it to go camping, too. Thanks for listening. I'm Ben Orndorff, and I'll be back next week with a new episode of Restless Ben.